spiritually hungry nation close to God is now being complacent, apathetic, and dry. Their epicenter of worship, Jerusalem, had been destroyed, invaded by the Babylonians. Their brokenness was years in the making. This should be a reminder to us that whatever it is you're harvesting today, spiritually, emotionally, physically, are the results of the seeds that were sown in seasons past. You see, Israel, in their brokenness, Israel, in being far from God, was harvesting the truth that they have sown before the Babylonians had invaded them. And the seeds that were sown before the Babylonians came was seeds of rejection towards God. I'm not listening to the word of God, not drawing in close to God's presence as a result of those seeds that were sown in that season. Now, they were harvesting brokenness. They were desperate for a move of God. We'll get to Ezekiel 37, but I want to leave us up there uh, in Ezekiel 14. You don't have to turn there. We read it, the condition of Israel as they were here in captivity in Babylon. And this is what, what Ezekiel says. It says the people of Israel have set up idols in their hearts and fallen into sin. And then they go to a prophet asking for a message. So I, the Lord, will give them the kind of answer their great idolatry deserves. You see God speaking to the prophet, reminding him and saying, my people who are called by my name, who I rescued, who I saved, who I delivered, they've made idols. They don't longer worship me. They don't worship the creator. They worship, they worship the creation of the creator. But yet they go to you looking for answers instead of coming to me. He said, I will give them the answer that they search for. And as he goes 16, it continues. And God again saying, look, you took the very jewels and gold and silver ornaments I have given you and made them statues of men and you worship them. This is adultery against me. God saying, nation of Israel, you've made idols, you worship them, you don't worship me. You've taken the spoils of the plunder that I gave you, and you've turned them into statues, and you dedicate yourself to those things rather than to me. And we still do this, don't we? We make idols of the hearts of many, many different things. We'll read a scripture like this, and this is what we don't really meditate on, right? This doesn't have the same kind of hit that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We love to read that scripture over and over. We love to read other scriptures that are powerful, encouraging, positive-minded. But the truth scriptures of this, of reminders that we're good at making idols in the heart, this is one that we'll ignore. This is one that we'll kind of gloss over, that we'll skip, that we'll say, hmm, okay, it's good, but I'm going to move past it, right? Because it commits us. It's a challenging scripture, and we'd rather not be challenged, we'd rather be comforted. We're a people who seek comfort. But we make idols in our life, and we worship them. And it's interesting that some of the idols that we make are not inherently bad. They're not evil on the outside. But whenever you put something and put it before God, it becomes an idol in your life. Pastor and author Tim Keller, he, he writes about this in his commentary about Ezekiel 37. And, and he says this, he says, God in Ezekiel was saying that the human heart takes good things. These are good things, like a successful career, that's a good thing. Love, relationships. 
that we all long for significance. We all long for significance. We all want our lives to mean something. We all want security, safety. These last 24 months have really shown us that. And fulfillment, we want our lives to be fulfilled. And many of us, instead of running to the one who can truly, truly fulfill us, we make idols of the creation. Instead of worshiping the creator, we deify them, we crave these things. And in It's a constant cycle of the people going after the things, after the creation, and not worshiping the creator. Rejecting God over and over and over again. Rejecting the word that Ezekiel keeps preaching to them to turn back to God. Turn to God. Turn to God. Leave your idols. Turn to God. He rejected again and again and again. And yet in the pain, yet in the problems, yet in the pressure, God speaks. And his promise comes forth. And the promise that God gives is renewal. That he will give you a new heart. That he will give you his spirit. Look at Ezekiel here in 36, in verses 26 and 27. In the midst of this rejection, in the midst of the people telling God no, in the midst of them being Ezekiel, no mind, rejecting the message of God, God still pursues. God still seeks after his people. And let this be a reminder to us today that if you're far from God today, if you've been telling God no for a while, this is God's heart for you. This is his heart for you. In the midst of that rejection, God says this. His promise comes forth. He says, I will. And you've got, you got to catch that. He's not saying other people will. He's saying, I myself, I, Yahweh, the Lord God Almighty, I will give you a hearts, renewal, a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you, not a spirit that pursues idolatry or worships the creation over the creator, but I will deposit a new spirit within you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart, a heart that rejects me, a heart that's been hardened to me, a heart that harbors anger against me. I will remove that heart and give you a soft, tender heart. He continues, and he says this in verse 27. He says, And I, again, I, God Almighty, will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and you will be careful to obey my regulations, that you will love me with all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. The promise of renewal in the midst of pain, problems, pressure, 
of people who really need to listen to me is that you were once close to them. You, you used to have that soft, tender heart. You used to have that spirit that would just be uh, so close to him and his presence that his voice was so clear and so loud in your life. You were following. You, you were influenced. You, you were living for him. But now you're dry. Now you're just those bones. No power. God's word, um, God's pathway, his pathway to spiritual renewal. I believe that Ezekiel 37, beginning from verse 1 to verse 14, give us a pathway for us to enter into this place where God can put into you a new heart, a new spirit, so that your life can live for him, so that you can come back to life and be what God has created you to be again. So let's read here together in Ezekiel 37. Let's begin in verse 1. Verse 1, it says this. This is a, a vision that Ezekiel has. And, and God gives him this vision. And, and God begins to reveal Ezekiel this pathway to spiritual renewal, to receiving a new heart and a new spirit. And this is uh, what Ezekiel writes here in verse 1. He says, The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, this is God's asking Ezekiel, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? God asked Ezekiel, can these bones be made alive again? Ezekiel gives the correct answer. He says, Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. I don't know, God. You know that. I don't know. The first step to spiritual renewal, and if you're taking notes or snapping pictures, you, you want to get these four steps. The first step to spiritual renewal begins with an honest look. It begins with an honest look. Spiritual renewal begins when we admit our dryness. It doesn't begin the process to spiritual doesn't begin until you are aware and you desperately, desperately need God. That your life is dry. That you have no life. That you have no power. It's interesting that, that God takes Ezekiel and he shows him this valley. He gives him the real view, the real picture of what Israel currently is. The contrast here is that this was once a, a powerful nation, once a mighty nation, once the center for worshiping of the true God. And it's gone from that to now just a pile of dry bones. And he said these bones were everywhere. I mean, it was not a pretty picture. It was an honest look. It was, a, it was the current state of Israel on display for Ezekiel and now for our learning, for us to see that man, how far Israel had fallen. Just how far they had gotten from God. Just how bad situation is. And you know, oftentimes I've discovered in life things got to get bad before they get better, right? I mean, sometimes a marriage doesn't improve until a divorce decree comes to your door. And that maybe triggers the process to reconciliation, to counseling, to getting back together, to healing, right? Sometimes it, it takes an ER visit with chest pains and seeing the doctor and receiving that, a diagnosis that, hey, you have high cholesterol, you have high blood pressure, 
pressure. You need to take care of yourself. Sometimes it takes a visit to the ER to make this stuff a true, honest look and say, hey, you got to take care of yourself. you got to change some things physically if you want to live a long, healthy life. Some of us, you need to wake up in the morning and find that your car has been repossessed for it to finally get into your mind that your finances are a mess. And some of us need our pages garnished a letter from the IRS saying we're coming after you to maybe curb your spending, get your savings, and start paying your bills. It's an honest look. And you know what keeps us from honesty? Pride. Pride is the ultimate gloss over to any issue that you deal with in life. It's this pride that will look at your spiritual condition and say it's not too bad. And I go to church on Sundays. How bad can it be? And this is all you're doing. See, it's pride that will look at your health and say, well, it's not too bad. I'm going to work. I mean, I, I, I'm functioning. I'm of sound mind. Yeah, but you're inside. You're falling apart. You see, pride keeps us from seeing the true picture of what really is. And here, Israel is broken spiritually. And for you to get an honest look spiritually, your, your heart must be broken by God. And you must realize, Lord, I desperately, desperately, it's, it's, a, it's an uncomfortable feeling to look up something close, right? I mean, I, I love how there's those mirrors that exist. There's two sides, right? There's one side that's the regular side. It's kind of like this flip mirror. On one side is the regular side, and you just stand there, and you'll see the reflection. And you flip the other side of that mirror. It's like a magnified mirror. Have you ever seen those that are double-sided? And the first side isn't too bad. Over to that magnified side, you know, that magnified side. Like you scare yourself sometimes. You're like, oh, hey, hey, look, that's rough. That's just some mornings, right? But what is it? It's because that other side was, was looking closer at your image. And for us to ever experience renewal in God, you're going to have to get super close to your, to your spiritual condition, to the reality of where are you at with God. For some of you, maybe you're here, and, and if it, it's scaring you a little bit, if it's making you uncomfortable, then praise God, that's the Holy Spirit that's convicting you. And this word is challenging you this morning, and praise God for that, right? Because you'll never know what's really happening inside of you spiritually unless you take that close look. And some of you, if you were to flip that mirror today, to that magnified view, what would you see? Well, that image would scare you. And when it comes to your relationship with God, you see, because just don't get that way quickly. Israel, it had been a process for them to get to these dry bones. It was a long road for them to fall so far from God. It began with them compromising and beginning the little choices that began to draw them away from God. Yet their conscience began seared to their sin. Their sin no longer convicted them. Then they rejected the word of God. And all that combined weakened their faith. When they were weak in faith, the enemies saw that they were weak in faith. That they were weak in their trust in God. And the enemy took their opportunity. Remember Babylon and Egypt? The enemy took the opportunity to attack, listen to this, to attack the weak areas of the wall around Jerusalem. You see, when we draw away from God, when we begin to compromise, when our faith gets so weak and our walls, our defenses become weak, and the enemy is alerted. 
hearts broken with sin and its anger. So many people fall into the same error. And for us to wake up, for us to be made alive, we're going to have to admit and say, then, God, I am dry. I am spiritually, spiritually dry. The question God has Ezekiel's in these bones be made alive again. Ezekiel says, I don't know, Lord. You alone know. Verse 4. God says this to Ezekiel. He said, Then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message to these dry bones and say, Dry bones, listen, listen to the word of the Lord. So, 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 so the step here, this is this is the step after the, the, the situation has been made clear. These are nothing but a heap of dry, dead bones. This is the reality of Israel. What is the next step that God brings? The word. The word. The word. What is the antidote? What is the catalyst? What is the spark that takes you from a place of being dry and dead spiritually to being renewed? The word. You must receive the word. Step two is receiving the word. It's the word that brings life to the things that seem lifeless. It's God's word that brings life to the things that seem lifeless. The command here is to prophesy. God tells Ezekiel, he says, prophesy over these dry bones. What does it mean to prophesy? Some of us have a weird image when we think of someone prophesying, like someone dressed in a bad suit with a bad hairstyle who predicts the future, right? It's like, like, that's not what we mean by prophesying, right? The, the prophesying is the declaration of God's word in, in, in biblical standards. When someone prophesies, what they're doing is they're declaring the word of God over someone or something for a specific moment. It's, it's a divinely given word for someone or something for that specific moment. And it usually entails two types of things. It can be predictive. We call that foretelling. I have a, a slide here that that says when this, this prophesying, it can be foretelling. God can give a prophet a word to say, look, this is what's going to happen. That's foretelling. It's, it's, a, it's a message of foretelling something that God wants to pull into, right? And usually the foretelling is letting you know that, look, this is going to happen if you don't get your life right. You don't square things away. This is what's going to happen. And Ezekiel did a lot of foretelling. He told Israel again and again, God's going to judge us. God's going to hand us over to our enemies. God's going to, you know, he's going to punish us if we don't get our stuff together. He's foretelling, foretelling something that was going to happen. Now there's a foretelling. A foretelling is a very specific word. It's God's direct word, not to affect your future, but to affect you right now. To affect you right now. And God is telling Ezekiel, prophesy over these bones, the foretelling of God's word, a, a word that's for you right now, a right now word, just call us a right now word. Back in the church where I used to attend, right? This is a right now word when you walk away feeling like, man, I don't know who that preacher guy is, but I felt like he was talking right to me today. And I've been in services where I've experienced that, and I've had people after a Sunday service come up to me and say, look, I don't know, man, but when you were talking, I felt like you were talking right to me. You know what? I say, I wasn't talking right to you. This is just God's word. God's word talks right to you. God's word convicts you. Yeah, I'm just trying my best to be faithful. 
says this is what the sovereign Lord says. So this is this is what God wants Ezekiel to prophesy over those dry bones. This is the message. He says, look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you alive again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come back to life. And you will know that I am the Lord. I want you to remember how much it's I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. Ezekiel wasn't saying, look, I'm going to try we're going to do our best, but we're going to try to build a committee to make this happen. This was God saying, this is my promise. This is my work. This was a tough task to Ezekiel. He was given the job to preach to a bunch of dead bones. His bones didn't have ears. His bones weren't able to listen, but yet God says, preach this message to them, prophesy, speak over them these words. Sounds foolish to preach to a bunch of bones, doesn't it? Listen, in your road to reveal, God may ask you to do something that looks foolish, that sounds foolish. For some of you, you're saying, wait, you want me to put away some food for 21 days? You want me to fast 20, 21 days? That sounds foolish. What's that going to do? That's going to do nothing but make me hungry and make me angry. to share the gospel with a co-worker and that's going to seem foolish for you. You're like, look, I don't talk at work. I'm the quiet person who sits in the corner. God, you're telling me to share my faith with somebody. That sounds ridiculous. God, you're asking me to pray. I don't even know how to pray. I mean, this sounds foolish. Ezekiel was a man of little faith. He would have said, I'll tell him how God you want me to preach to some dead bones. It's like talking to a wall. Why should I do that? doesn't make sense. Look, God will ask you to do some things that in the natural mind will not make sense, but be faithful. Preach the message. Do what God asks you to do because it's not your word that you're proclaiming. It's God's word that you're proclaiming. It's not your word that's going to bring the bones back to life. It's God's word that are going to bring the bones back to life. It's not your responsibility to comfort people, to convince people. It's your responsibility to be faithful with the message of God that he's Jesus 
Timothy 3.16 says all scripture, all of it is inspired. Other translations say it's breathed. It's God-breathed. It's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our life. It corrects us when we are wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. Sparks the renewal in our life. Hebrews 4 12 says, For the word of God is alive, it's powerful, it's sharper than the sharpest two edged sword. It cuts between the soul and the spirit, the joint and the marrow, and it exposes. This is the word of God exposes. Yet the book of those people who have mentioned to me, and I feel like they were speaking right to me. Now, this, listen to the scripture, it's, it's this word, it's, it's cutting your heart. And what's inside the brokenness, the junk, is being spilled out. And God is speaking to you. It's not me. It's the power of God's word. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. These are just not intriguing thoughts or dead theology. The word of God draws you closer to me. It's bigger than me. It's the power of the Holy Spirit changing you from the inside out. That's why we receive the word. That's why we speak by the feet the word. We preach it at this church. We preach the whole council of God's word because we believe it has the power to save you. It has the power to change you. It transforms you. It teaches you. And Ezekiel here, he's speaking to these bones and you know what's happening as he's speaking. Nothing. Nothing's changing. Something. 
was just a bunch of dead bodies there. This preaching, this is happening, right? And it, it reminds us, look, never stop speaking over your life. Never stop speaking over your kids or over your marriage or over your, over your finances or over any area of your life because God is faithful even if you can't see it now. God is doing something. Remember, there was a process to get to this point. There's a process to get out of there too. It just doesn't happen right away. This was part one of the process. God was setting up Ezekiel to see the miracle of
gives life physically, but God also gives life spiritually. When you have no breath of God in your life, you may be alive physically, but you are not alive spiritually. To receive this breath of God, to receive this Holy Spirit, you must first open your heart to Him. That's why this this renewal of this heart and this new heart is so important, because for you to receive this Spirit, your heart must be open to Him, and you must experience the process of being born again, of being born again of God, breathing not physical air into your nostrils, you have that here now, but His Spirit, being born of the Spirit again, being born again of the Spirit, not of the flesh, but of the Spirit, the 